This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Time once again for another edition of the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Thursday, March the 10th, 2022. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, alongside site publisher Tim Watts. That's right, T. Watts and TR on a Thursday. And Tim, man, we're going through sort of this transition in seasons, I guess. I know we've got daylight savings time coming up, changing here in the next few days. But man, from a weather perspective, does it get any more weird than the state of Alabama where it can be, you know, 80 one day and then the next day we're talking about, I guess, the potential for snow, at least in the northwest section of the state here in the next couple of days? It's that it's that time of year, man. Yeah, I hate it. I mean, when it goes from seven, I mean, the last couple of days have been great. and Well, not yesterday, but earlier, you know, the Sunday, Monday was great weather and then going down below 40 on a Saturday uh, sucks. It's hard for me to adjust. I don't mind the weather either way. I like the. I prefer the consistency though, because I'm not really the guy to check the weather before I roll out. And you know, it was, it was Saturday or Sunday. I went for a walk and I was dressed like it was 30 degrees and it was 80 degrees, and I was dying halfway through it. I mean, I had on, I had on way too many much clothing. So yeah, I'm I'm okay if it's consistent, but I hate when it bounces back and forth. Yeah, especially when we got the outdoor sports that are, you know, spring associated cranking up too, right? A lot of baseball, a lot of softball, a lot of golf. You know, we get excited. We get a little taste of it. And then it seems like every year, bam, there's at least one more major front that moves through. Well, even back in 92, I was a student at UA. I'm sure you recall this as well. And just in the state of Alabama in general, uh, it was like April 1st. And we got 18 inches of snow in uh, 93, April of 93. I'll never forget that. And, you know, more than anything, we we hope that the tornadic uh, issues that, you know, the state has all too often are something we don't have to deal with as much coming up here in the next month or so. But what we do know we're dealing with in the next month, and one of the topics we'll hit on today, college basketball conference tournaments on the men's side. Uh, Tim, very much underway. Alabama set to take on Vanderbilt later tonight in Tampa, Florida in the second round of the SEC tournament. Vanderbilt, boy, I'll tell you what, if Georgia was looking to make a statement on behalf of its coach, Tom Crean, last night in that horrific performance against the Commodores, uh, it wasn't a strong showing of support for Tom Crean four years into his uh, tenure there in Georgia. But now Alabama gets Vanderbilt. Alabama, of course, beat the Commodores uh, last month in Nashville. Close game, two-point win for Alabama. Your confidence level, Tim, in this Alabama team as it heads into postseason play? 
I don't, I don't really, you know, I, I, this team to me the whole year, I've been, you know, kind of quiet about them because I really expect them to win every game and I really expect them to lose most of these games, you know, to some degree. I think, you know, you know, if I hear one more time, Bama can make a run to the final four or lose the first round, I'm probably going to kill myself. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, literally everybody, the lady at public said it to me last week. She said, Punch your chance. Punch your chance, Tim. Said, you ready to check out? I said, yes, why don't you check out? She said, I've seen your show, which I, don't, I haven't did the Fox show in years, but then she said, it's basketball team something else. I said, they're wild, aren't they? And then she told me that they could win it all or lose it all. So I was like, you're right, but we're all saying that. Um, I think they beat Vanderbilt. I mean, I still think this team has the potential. I mean, obviously, you know, you're, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet any money on it. You know, I wouldn't bet either way on Alabama with their run, but I do think they had the talent uh, as far as beating a team like Vanderbilt. Obviously, the next round will be Kentucky will be harder. I still think Alabama has been very competitive this year. Um, very consistent being competitive for the most part, whether the team, their opponent was good or bad. But, you know, I think if they're going to shine at all, I think if they're going to be excited again, those guys that were on last year's team, remember that, you know, the SEC run, the NCAA run, if you can't get excited, play hundred percent hard for this. I mean, your two losses from the end of the season. I mean, the next two tournaments you're in, the next two events you're playing, you're one and done. Uh, lose and go home and uh, so I mean you know everything's on the line for these guys a little bit of pride I'm sure they've been you know they I'm sure they've read you know I mean I mean they know how up they gotta they, hear it don't yeah, they, they don't they have to hear it Tim well because you got I mean you got yes I think you have to say like oh my god you beat Gonzaga great job oh my god you lost to Georgia what's going on I think that's just the human nature of the fan you know they're on a you know obviously surrounded by their fans so um yeah, they got to hear it. They got to see it on Twitter, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But I do, I do think they can beat Vanderbilt. I do think they can compete with Kentucky. Um, so still, still interesting. I don't never have never got. I feel like every Alabama team I can remember in any sport, I had a grasp on this one. To me, literally, I've never. I can't understand them. I don't know what you're going to get night from night. They played some of the prettiest basketball at times I've seen. Um, they just have great moments and great runs. And then they, you know, obviously they'll have that comeback down, but I mean, they also have them fired up. You know, if he can dig it out of them, it'll, it'll, it'll start today. Yeah. You said it. If there's a switch that this team can hit, it's gotta be now. I mean, this is it. You know, this is the time of year. If you've been sort of waiting to flip the urgency button, uh, with an emphasis on the defensive end of the four, uh, this would seem to be it. And, you, know, you get the sense, and you have for a while now, that you're not the only one that can't get their hands around this team. Even Nate Oates, uh, in listening to his comments, whether in uh, press conferences or on SEC Inside uh, on the SEC Network here in the last week or so, uh, it's obviously been frustrating for him. And look, if you need some extra motivation, I don't know if you saw this, but Scotty Pippen Jr., Jordan Wright, uh, Jerry Stackhouse and their post-game remarks after the win over Georgia last night, they basically said Alabama's the team we want in this tournament because of that close loss at Memorial Gymnasium last month. And, uh, you know, Pippen shot 18 free throws against Alabama in that game. So I'm sure he does want to see Alabama again. But, um, you know, this is a this is a, if, if Alabama doesn't hit the switch with the start of tonight's game, it, it could be a very short trip in Tampa. 
Yeah, well, I mean, if Vanderbilt's going on a revenge tour, it's going to be really long. They're six. <laughs> I'm not sure what in the hell they're talking. I mean, they've learned they're they're seven eleven in conference or six. You know, I don't know if something just sat wrong. I mean, Alabama really didn't close that game out, or it's not even a close loss for Vanderbilt. It's an ass kicking. Yeah, Alabama's I mean, it was a double digit game there yeah. with about four minutes to go, and then absolutely like nine fouls called on Alabama in the final yeah. four minutes. Absolutely. That game, had they closed that out, that wouldn't have been even a close game. I don't know what, you know, I think you have to say Alabama's the team you want because you mentally, you obviously want Alabama or you lost to Georgia. So, you know, and I think, you know, you know, the, the, it, that mentality in the tournament doesn't surprise me. I just found it weird that Vanderbilt is going on a re- revenge tour. Yeah, right. this is it. It'll be, yeah. a, we'll have to play another whole season to get there. <laughs> But whatever. Oh gosh. To me, that's odd that you mentioned that. I agree with you. I don't think you fired. You know, I'm the guy that doesn't really give my opponent any talk. If I give them the business, if I'm giving them motivation, it's motivation. Like I am not passively aggressive saying stuff. I am ripping them to shreds um, and making them angry more than I'm making them fired up. Yeah, Scotty Pippen Jr. said he feels Alabama is very beatable. So uh, a little gift there for Nate Oates. Dad said he's better than Jordan. So (laughs) Pivens are taking blows left and right out here. Oh, gosh. I wanted to ask you about something in relation to Nate Oates because there are some job openings out there that continue to be open. When you look at, say, the likes of Maryland and I guess Louisville, some of these jobs that are are vacant, Do, do you have any concerns uh, about Nate Oates um, being in place at Alabama beyond this season, or uh, do you feel like you know those type of situations maybe don't fit him all that well? You look at Maryland, Big Ten school, obviously very committed to hoops. Nate has ties to the Big Ten area, obviously that region. Uh, Louisville considered to be a premier job in college basketball, though you got the ten thousand pound gorilla sitting right there across the state in Lexington with Big Blue. What, what are your thoughts on that, or, or have you given it any thought? I mean, I've thought about it. I feel like he's in a good position. If I'm Nate Oates, I've got pretty much everything they've wanted so far, that I've wanted so far. Um, I have a very elite recruiting class coming in. I can't stress how good this group is. Um, I mean, you've seen, I mean, these guys, this is going to be a very – Basically three five-stars coming in. Yeah, because, you know, you know, nobody really talks about this Pringle kid and yeah. uh, the junior college commitment, but that is a bouncy, athletic guy. He's got some size to him. Um, he's extremely competitive around the basket, around you know anything. You know, he's going to get easy buckets. He's going to get blocks, and he's going to defend. But this group coming in as a whole is extremely talented. Plus, you know, I think he'll understand and you know hit the portal a little bit harder. He's got some guys coming back. Um, you know, J.D. Davidson, I'm still really curious what happens with him. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely in the camp that he could use another year of seasoning. Uh, I feel like it's totally different than the Josh Primo situation. I don't know if you agree with me there. I felt like Primo did about what he could considering what the playing time and with the injuries and the shortened, the weird season he had to do with. I felt he did what he could on the court. I feel like J.D.'s had a lot more opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Josh was competing with Herb and, you know, you had, uh, and he had an injury Patty. to go on top of everything. He, yeah. had, so he had a lot going against him to sort of limit how good he was. I knew how good he, he was going to be. And I, you know, we said early on 
those workouts were going to be key for him because he could go to a workout and have a guy fall in love with him during that workout, which is what happened. He had teams fall in love with him. He just bouncy, long guy. He's playing when I didn't even expect him to play. So, uh, But I think J.D.'s different from that regard because I think J.D. has got the playing time. He has had chances. He hasn't really capitalized on them. But, you know, this is a – if you're looking to put that nail in that NBA – you know, that, that NBA uh, – I guess coffin wouldn't be the right word, but don't forget Antonio McDyess. You come out here in these tournaments, do your thing. You have a chance to move up. But J.D.'s – I'd love to see J.D. mixed in here with uh, Brandon Miller, you know, especially Bradley and Griffin. That's three really talented guards that he could be in there. But, yeah, he's got a talented group. He's getting what he wants arena-wise. He's got, you know, a lot of support behind him, you know, the fans. So, And he's got a pretty good contract. So I would feel like he's okay where he's at. Yeah, and from an administration perspective, Greg Byrne and UA continue – to say the right things in relation to the uh, the the arena uh, on the horizon. Now, it's not something that's going to happen in the next year or two, um, but certainly the expectation being in the next three or four years, uh, we'll see that come into play for the Alabama basketball programs. Something else I wanted to ask you about, Tim, in relation to hoops, but there's some crossover because you're talking about icons, you're talking about legends, you're talking about all-timers for collegiate athletics, regardless of sport. Coach K's final home game last Saturday night against rival North Carolina. The Tar Heels go into Durham and just rain on the parade in Coach K's final home game. First, your impressions of kind of how that went down. And then I want to talk about maybe how you would envision uh, – Nick Saban's uh, going out at some point down the road. There's so much pomp and circumstance and attention and everything placed on that game last Saturday night. Can you envision that type of scenario? Will Nick Saban even let it be known beforehand, in your opinion, that he's looking to get out? No, I'm guessing. And, you know, you know, it's hard to pinpoint a guy like Saban who, who is a uh, who's sort of wily. It's hard to pin him down on what he will do or what he thinks sometimes, but I can't imagine him getting the farewell tour. You know, I can't, ima- you know, I can't imagine him saying, cause I'm not sure he'll not can be totally wrong, but I'm not sure he's ever going to know when it's the right time till it just hits him. Cause the guy's working every day for the next day. I mean, he's working, you know, every loss, you know, every, every, every loss the last year, uh, the last game of the year, he's working the next day towards recruiting, getting new coaches. I mean, when you have that system, when you have that rhythm, I'm not sure it ever hits you till maybe just one day you're sitting there and you're like, I'm done. You know, it's just that moment. That's what I would think it would be. Um, I mean, him getting a, a, a send off of this is my last year. I mean, I can't really think of many coaches that have done that. Usually we find out it's their last year when they're three and six. <laughs> you know, right. you know, traveling. They get them. help with it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's usually yeah, there's usually that's when we find out they're that. So I can't imagine that, but I mean the turnout, I would the turnout would be incredible. I mean, I can't imagine who would all come to Nick Saban's last game. You know, you probably you know, the NFL guys, the NFL connections. I mean, we've seen Alabama host, you know, have some of the biggest names in the world at their football games when they played LSU a few times or the big games at home. So I imagine the turnout would be amazing. I still don't know how Duke can lose that game. I mean, that's just wild to me, considering that was 
Coach K's last home game. I know North Carolina's a good team and a big rivalry, but he had like 96 former players there or something. Yeah. I yeah. Sounds like. Um, the whole fam, everything. Yeah, obviously yeah. it was a good moment. But then again, you know, basketball is a more intimate sport than football. You know, basketball, I mean, we really, you know, it was years. I mean, until, you know, really you get to social media and the Internet that you even knew what the, what the football player looked like because, you know, they always had their helmet on. And, you know, though in basketball, I mean, you're much closer to the court. You're seeing them, you're in the face. So it's a much more intimate moment. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that, that happened if it happened. Yeah, I just can't imagine Christian Leitner or some of those guys allowing that to happen last Saturday night. But, you know, give North Carolina a lot of credit. Well, I mean, sort of, you know how it is. You know, it's sort of the distraction, too. You remember the year Alabama lost 9-6 to to LSU, and you and I discussed. I was like, dude, this might have been better to be a road game because of the distractions of this week. It was huge. I mean, what? I mean, it's like A-Rod, Bell, I mean, the owner of the Patriots, maybe. I mean, there was a bunch of big names and uh there and uh you know those kids were distracted walking the hallway walking the football facilities and seeing that stuff and you know me and you discussed that at the time so maybe that you know a lot lot for those kids a lot of guys they've looked up to and the reason they went to duke were within arm's grasp you know saturday night so um you know maybe just a little intimidation factor and loss of focus but i agree with you on saving though because i would get i believe that he is in such a vacuum, in such a tunnel, especially throughout the course of a season, that if, in fact, it may depend on, you know, kind of what bowl game or what postseason play Alabama is involved with. If it's at the end of a, say, 10-3 and three season and you're playing in Orlando in the Citrus Bowl, you know, maybe in the lead-up to that game, it, you let it be known that this is it. But... You know, if you're in the mix for a national championship, which we just assume that's going to be the case with Alabama under Nick Saban on an annual basis, that's not something you're likely to address until after your run is complete. Um, and we also know Nick Saban's always going to try his best to re- protect a recruiting class, right? Um, but that's the interesting thing about Kay with Duke, too. Going from Kay to John Shire, it looks like, at least initially, we'll see in the next couple of years. And you look at the recruiting class that Duke has coming in post Mike Shusevsky, and it's it's still very Coach K like. Oh yeah, I think Coach K will still have his hands involved in that program. I know that was a tough decision. I read a few stories. On Timmy, even- Timmy said he wasn't. He said he wasn't going to be around. That's what he said. He'll be around. I mean, <laughs> You can't just walk away. I mean, you built that. I mean, literally from the hands up. There was a lot of Coach K stuff that was out there the last month. Good excerpts. I know they wrote some books. Really good, interesting view of his relationship with Bobby Knight. Not super, you know, surprising to find out it was contentious. And there's a lot of ego involved. Um, but yeah, I mean, him choosing, just reading how he how he managed to choose his successor had to be. He's got a lot of coaches out there now. You know, there's a lot of guys off that coaching tree with relationships to Duke. And I remember John Shire, he doesn't even seem that old. We covered, I covered him when I was AAU basketball. Um, You know, pretty good, you know, pretty good ball player, sort of that two, three shooter, stand on the perimeter and all that kind of stuff. So it is kind of interesting to see. I mean, he's had a lot of assistance 
that were there for like eight or nine years, right? I mean, he's had a lot of former players. Yeah, um, Amaker and Dawkins. And, there and yeah, there's Collins. There was a lot of thought that Amaker was going to be the successor. Yeah, and yeah. Th- apparently, according to I think the one of the books you're referencing, that was the direction the administration wanted to go. But it was Kay that stepped in and said, no, it's going to be Shire. Yeah. Can you imagine having to talk to, you know, you know, yeah. Tommy about that? I mean, that had yeah. to be. I mean, that was your first, you know, really good point guard, you know, led him to his first final four back in the 80s. So, you know, those ties run deep. What about Nick Saban, though? You think is Nick really going to go to the lake in North Georgia or can you envision a scenario where Nick Saban is still at least around on occasion in Tuscaloosa. I can't, you know, I just think that the world's divided into people who can and can't retire. You know, I think like I'm a busy minded guy. I just don't, I just can't imagine like, you know, not, not every man is able to retire and walk on the, you know, walk on the beach holding his wife's hand. And um, it always reminds me of the movie. Have you ever seen the movie with Sam Hayek and uh, Pierce Bronson? I think it's called Before Sunset or something. Have you ever seen I didn't it? see that one. No. Well, anyways, the, they were they were this tag team duo who were robbing people, and they agreed to retire, robbing banks and stuff. They were jewelry robbery and all that. They agreed to retire after their next job. Well, they go, and they're on the beach, and they're living the dream life and all that stuff, and dude's hating it. He's eating lobster. He's on the beach with Selma Hayek, and he just, like, can't take it. He can't stand that it's so boring, even though he's living the – you know, the best life that he possibly can. I think after the sunset's what it's called. So that's sort of what I think is like, you think you retire, you think you want to sit on the beach and drink pina coladas. And I think a lot of us or not a lot of us, but I think there's a certain amount of us that just can't, I couldn't handle that lifestyle. I think Nick Saban falls in that busy mind, busy body uh, kind of guy. I think coach K does. I think it's going to be hard for him just to, I mean, how do you coach this many years? I mean, you know, and you know, that job is groundhog. It's not groundhog. It's a groundhog year is what it is instead of groundhog day. It is the, it is every year is basically the same cycle. You can, I think, I think with TV is where Saban might be able to fill a bit of that hole though. Right. Because we know how popular of a choice he's going to be for the networks when it comes to the, the shows to be in the boss. Yeah. Not to be the boss. You know what I mean? Somebody in his ear, telling him what to say or when to say it next. Right. Yeah. That'll be a little different for Nick. And we've discussed that with our, you know, our, our friend, former CEO, Shannon Terry, who has built these companies multiple times, sold them multiple times, um, has built the new on three. He built 24 seven, he built rivals and sold them. He doesn't, he's not used to, he's, it's not, it's hard for him not to be the boss. So, you know, he ends up selling these companies and he ends up, and I think Saban will be that same way, where you go from making every decision, even the discussion points, to having somebody sort of tell you. I'm just not sure how that would sit, you know, with people who've been used to being in charge the whole time. Of course, I don't know if a lot of people would boss Nick Saban around to begin with. Uh, yeah, I, I still that, think uh, Saban will have a, a pretty good bit of control. And there's an age gap here. You know, Kay is 75 years old. And so when we talk about this in relation to Nick Saban, Nick Saban did turn 70 uh, on Halloween of last year. So uh, if you do some math, if you're into sort of comparative scores, I guess you could say, um, 
you get five more years out of Nick Saban if you're an Alabama fan. You get Nick Saban to 75, uh, you're looking at, I guess, an even 20 years on the job, Tim. And if you get that, right, anything else, I, I, in a lot of ways, I think it's already house money if you're an Alabama fan in well, more than one way. Then Coach K and Nick Saban are a good comparison because, you know, Coach K, he's had to completely adjust. You know, it's almost like Saban going with the wide open offense after being a defensive guy. Coach K did the same thing where, remember, they wouldn't recruit one and done guys. You know, they no. were, you know, they didn't want, they wanted program builders and they had people that had to get in his ear and go, we got to take, you know, the Corey McGettys. We've got to take the Zion Williamson's to compete. And they've totally shifted. You know, basically they've, their recruiting is very similar to say in Kentucky. You know, you get most of these guys are one and done. So they do have that. They do have that flexibility. So I think that comparison is pretty good between the between the two of them. And so when we look at uh, Nick Saban and the big picture and the potential for how he may ride off into the sunset, I think we're in agreement that it could be uh, at least a little bit different than what we saw uh, from Mike Shashevsky and. Uh, boy, that was tough for him. Do you see him post game have to come back out there? Mm-hmm. You know, for the for the post game ceremony, nobody was expecting that yeah. uh, sort of environment. Um, and also, I don't know if you saw this, but I guess the husbands of the daughters didn't get an invite out onto the court. It didn't look like I like all the daughters and the grandkids and Mickey and you know everyone. Uh, but I didn't. If you were a husband. One of the daughters, you didn't get invited out to center court there at the end, Tim? I would be asking my wife, were we good? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what the, what was the deal with that? Their reason they didn't want I mean, it's his court. I mean, his name's on the court. Can't yeah. he have anybody he wants on that court, Tim? Yeah, I would think so. Um, very <laughs> odd. The whole thing was that I don't, you know, it's hard to play in an event like that. You know, that's why I think that a lot of people avoid it. There's a lot of, you know, invitations alone. You get some, you'll have some angry old people, you know, you're going to forget somebody. So, uh, but yeah, the whole, the, the, it was just it, to me, the whole, I guess it had to be blood related to be out there, you know, <laughs> couldn't be an in-law. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's talk some, uh, let's shift to some football talk. I know you're a fan of this. I am too. We sort of previewed it last week and anticipating Evan Neal wasn't going to work out and, um, not as many guys as we typically seen in general in Indianapolis. We're going to, partake in in uh, drill work and testing but uh from the alabama perspective if you were going to say there were some specific winners i don't think anybody that made the trip from alabama uh lost ground i mean i know you could look at some of the the testing and say well slave bolden ran in the mid four sixes well what were you expecting slave bolden to run you know the, i think that was about what you would have probably projected so anything better than that would have been to the good but um, any of these guys for Alabama that made that trip, Tim, stand out to you as far as uh, helping themselves up there? Well, I think Armour Davis certainly did. I mean, physically, you know, coming at over, you know, six foot one, almost 200 pounds, running that sub four four. Of course, everybody, those speeds, are you kidding me? That can't be right. Everybody cannot there were be crazy crazy. times up Dude, there, I weren't there? Hunters kicking four or five, running four or five fives like <laughs> and they never ran forty yards of their day of life. It was insane. They kick at forty yards, they just don't run forty yards. Yes, yeah. absolutely. If they, yeah, absolutely. So I mean the times were so fast for everybody. I mean, Jordan Davis, the Georgia kid, he ran four eight or whatever. If you add two tenths, this is how impressive his time was. 
if you add two tenths, if he ran a 502, you're still impressed. <laughs> That's how fast these times were, how fast some of these guys went. But I think that Armour Davis, 43940, he is a fast kid. Alabama knew that going in. Um, 35-inch vertical jump, has a size. His film is going to be good. It's going to be small sample sizes we've discussed. His film is going to be good, though. He's going to have a, a film. He's going to have upside. He's just not going to have a lot of it. You know, I think he's going to be more of a steady middle-round guy. Christian Harris, you know, he did about what we expected. A big kid, uh, almost 230 pounds, comes in at sub-4-5. Big broad jump, you know, you know, vertical jump was in the you know 35 range, explosive. I think he did well. I mean, but for the most part, I mean, Slade did about what we expected Slade to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the biggest thing with this guy is, I mean, I thought Mathis checking in at three, six, four, 300, you know, 10 plus or whatever. I thought he did a lot of good just because size, you know, defensive mm-hmm. lineman size. Dude, I'll tell you what, they grow the most between ninth grade in the NFL combine. They add two inches to those jokers every year, it feels like. You know, so, you know, just they just assume because they're such a big, wide guy. But I think he did really well. I wish Brian would have had a chance to run. Um, he didn't get out of that gate clean on his uh, 40. He ran the 4.53. But, man, that's a big, good-looking kid. I thought, I, that was, I thought that was good enough, though, right? 4.53? I, I still – yeah, I did. I still think as fast as the field was, and I read – Somewhere, I was talking to Charles Power. We were talking, they were talking about how they put in a new field that sort of helped them faster. Uh, you know, could have resulted in them running a little bit faster. You know, there ain't a, the difference between 4.5 and 4.45 is a new field, is the right shoes, is a slight breeze. So, uh, but I think Christian at that size and that thickness, and he's obviously going to have great, he's obviously going to have really good film. Um, but I felt like he pulled up just a little bit on that, on that run. Didn't get to yeah. run in. Yeah, I'm with you on Armour Davis. And you know what doesn't hurt Jalen Armour Davis is the corners that Alabama has sent to the National Football League of late. And not just guys like Patrick Sertan and Trayvon Diggs, who have been all pro-like here in the last few years, or even Marlon Humphrey uh, in that same regard. But, you know, you've had guys like Levi Wallace and like Anthony Averett that weren't first-round types, right? that have gotten their opportunity in the National Football League and have made it count for them. Kareem Jackson, if you want to go back a ways. Um, You know, you remember D. Milner goes early first round. It's been, I guess, what, 10 years ago now or somewhere in that neighborhood? And, yeah, and it didn't work out. And, boy, everybody was quick, right? Yep, saving corners. They ain't going to make it. The NFL, now look at the list of guys that have just lit it up. I mean, the number of hot takes <laughs> people have had about Nick Saban, and really stupid hot takes, anyways, of the most emotional overreaction to anything. But that, yeah, that was a terrible one. You know, the whole Alabama players are overrated. Remember when that they're overworked? They play too much football. Remember that? <laughs> what are you talking about? They've been playing since they were six. Like, what are you talking about? Shut up. Go tweet. Oh yeah. You know, it was it was coming hot and heavy there yeah, about I, ten years ago. Guy, I've talked to NFL guys that really like Armour Davis. Obviously, would have wanted to see him to see him play a little bit more, finish that year. But I know I know NFL guys that like him. You know, especially guys familiar with the Alabama program and guys that that, that have been looking at that secondary. I think he'll climb up there uh, a little bit. But you know, pretty anticlimactic uh, NFL yeah. combine for Alabama. You got. You know, you got Evan, who's definitely a first rounder. 
I would have killed to see see J Mo run at that with those speeds going. I would have killed to see what what that guy could have done. A healthy James Williams, what he could have done on that field. I really think he could have shattered some. He really could have. He really could have broke some records as fast as he is. So, but I mean, sort of anticlimactic, you know. Especially you come off a year where there's six first rounders, and really Barmore was in the discussion and probably should have been a seventh one. Um, so such a great year. Then you flip it around a year, and you've got Evan, who's alignment's It's pretty quiet. Jamison's not working out, you know. And then you got a bunch of guys in the second year. Uh, second and third round picks, you know, range. So a little bit different vibe than we've been used to the last couple of years. Yeah, the the event in general, uh, just the participation level down this year in terms of drill work and even like three cone and 20 yard shuttle, man, once some of the times there um, on the other side of what the 40s were just smoking, uh, some of those shuttle times got off to a rough start, and guys just said, "Well, you catch me at my pro day on those." Um, that's a smart move there. That's absolutely, that's that's why you have an agent too, right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, those folks will shut that down quickly. We saw so many guys. I mean, run, and I mean, look, I'm a fan of the big guy. I mean, Jordan Davis. I'm a fan of the big old guys that do crazy things, but his testing, you know, his testing to me was wild. Um, it wasn't just him. There's a lot of defensive end, a lot of defensive linemen. Georgia defensively, you know, obviously had just well, Michigan, a. Michigan had a couple of guys that did. They really did. Too, yeah. Know? It was. It's really interesting to see how much stock is put into you know put in that the, to the forty times. Um, but no matter what, I mean, there was some freaky stuff. Like I said, Jordan Davis ran a four eight two. If you add two tenths and he's a five oh two at that size. You're still impressed. I don't care what you say, but to run that, that big guy, that big dude was moving. There is so much that's shifting towards pro days, though, now on yeah, campus, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah this just, yeah. There's you have a, a Neal pro day, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's just. Matt Corral going to throw at his pro day. You know, yeah, it's, it's just a different vibe. I mean, it's like playing on the home field, too. You know, you're playing with your wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Not you picked, which is big. Don't forget. I mean, don't forget in these NFL drills, you got quarterbacks throwing. You don't know if there's the wrong route or if it's just a terrible pass. I mean, I found it interesting. The Pittsburgh quarterback had a eight and a half inch hands, which is really small. That's, I mean, yeah. that is not very big. That's probably why he wears gloves, uh, you know, so consistently. And I'm curious to see. It's a very weird class. It's a very different class. Um, you have like, Four teams, I think, with multiple first-round picks. I mean, you're, you got some, uh, you got some guys that are willing to, you know, some teams got a chance to lock down their uh, future uh, uh, franchise guys, and then you, you know, and they with so many teams in need of a quarterback, you know, you don't really have a, a, a really for sure good quarterback. So, and with that said, you and I both know some teams going to reach in the top five picks. If I can take I, one of these guys, I'm, you know, they are. I looked at all these guys, and if I've got to just choose one. I don't know I, if there's a first-rounder in the whole group. I, there's not, but if I have to choose one, I'll probably go with the Liberty kid because I'll go with all upside. You know what I mean? I'll go with Yeah, the, if you're going to take a quarterback this year, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll go with the big-arm kid who can run who can run well enough and all that kind of stuff. But I still think Matt Corral's got a chance to be a pretty solid NFL quarterback. Not a great NFL quarterback, but I think he's got a chance to be a pretty solid 
NFL quarterback. And you can see the price tag on a quarterback with Aaron Rodgers getting a $50 million, you know, four-year deal. And, you know, and Jerry Judy, how about Jerry Judy hitting the lottery, getting Russell Wilson, moves on. You know, they gave up a lot to get Russell Wilson for Jerry Judy. Um, you know, obviously now Seattle needs a quarterback. So there's not 32 good quarterbacks in the NFL, oddly enough. I never really thought I'd say that, but there's not. You mentioned uh, Jerry Judy. What about Amari Cooper? Uh, he's going to hit the market coming up here. And uh, Julio Jones, uh, of those two guys, one or both have anything left at this point, uh, Tim, in your opinion? Um, yeah, I still think Cooper can play. I mean, I've never, I'm not a huge Dak. Is pres- Cooper still a number one? You think uh, he's a slam dunk number one receiver? Probably not, probably not on a, you know, Probably For the not. Jaguars, he would be. I can tell you yeah. that right now. Come yeah. to Jacks. Which it depends on which team you want. You know, if you you know if, if I'm Amari and I'm looking, I don't know what he's looking for. I mean, he's made his money and all that kind of stuff. So if he's looking, like you can find Championship a championship team. team. Yeah, you can find a team like the 49ers. You can find a team. You can go find your team where you feel comfortable with that quarterback um, and play. Yeah, he can still play. I mean, I'm not a huge Dak Prescott fan. I've never been a huge fan of his. Something I think he's talented. But man, the Cowboys have had some really talented teams. Not to went further than they do. Uh, tight arm thrower, you know, it just looks like it's just. Something. And the numbers look great, though. I mean, if you look at Dak Prescott's numbers, they do. But the results—they're Hall of Famous. But you're right; they don't advance. Still, are nothing in the like, tournament. No. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson's won a Super Bowl, went to another Super Bowl. All the good quarterbacks you talk about, who we talk, the quarterbacks we discuss in the same vain as Dak all have more you know what I mean they all have Super Bowl appearances or Super Bowl wins and all that kind of you know stuff like that and, he, and again that team has has some talent mm-hmm. I mean they struck I mean they get Trayvon Diggs in the second round they've struck gold several times they got Lael Collins as an undrafted free agent this is a guy that's going to be a first round draft pick maybe maybe second round LSU offensive lineman that had some trouble and ended up I'm pretty sure going undrafted and they got him he's been a starter so I just thought that, you know, that they probably would have had a better chance to win. And when you see him and you like him, you know he does the work. But when you watch the Cowboys, there's something missing there. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in regular season games. How about Amari in New England with Mac? That'd be that'd be brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Be, I think that would be perfect. I don't think he's gonna get a twenty million dollar price tag. I think it's no. just, and like if he wants to get paid, he'll probably have to go to a team. That's probably not as good for him as in a different situation. But you mentioned the Jaguars, yeah. uh, the Saints. My Saints, who they need a quarterback first, but they need a second receiver. Uh, you could go down the list of teams that need Amari Cooper. So yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely still got you know still got more football. I was reading a report yesterday, and I don't know if it's true or not that him and Dak got into it after the playoff loss. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. But no, because you know I, I can see anything blowing up, but Amari's been so quiet. Yeah, he's not that guy from well, a anybody can blow personality people. perspective. Uh, I'm not saying Amari Cooper doesn't love football, but he doesn't strike me as a guy that – he strikes me as a guy that, you know, once the game's over and you did what you could do, Yeah, I, I, I sense from Amari that he doesn't have much of a problem leaving it there when he heads out to the, get in the car. I think I agree, and I think if Amari saw a bunch of his teammates fight, he'd probably be more likely to put on the headphones and head to the car than get involved. I think he's just a quiet yeah. – 
Like, he's not diva-ish. You yeah, know, I don't get that sense that from him. In high school, he refused to really give interviews. Yeah. Uh, Bama, we barely heard from him in Bama. Another very quiet career, considering what all he did. NFL, we really haven't heard much of him. You know, you haven't. I mean, how many times have you heard Amari talk? No. You know, he, no. he don't hear. You know, you don't hear him talk. Kind of like Julio that way too. Yeah, Julio's exactly That's where they're similar. Like, you don't hear him tweet. You don't hear him do anything. But I think Amari, yeah, he's still got football left in him just because Dallas isn't a good fit. You know, the you know the Raiders weren't a great fit. I think that he has uh, – shoot, Denver. Denver ought to jump in there and try to get him to go opposite of Judy, you know. Yeah. They, you know, they've got a – they have a couple of good young guys. So, obviously – The we'll, thing we forget about with Julio is he's 12, 13 years into this, you oh, know, yeah. because we have that tendency to think of Julio at Alabama like it was last week. But, you know, he was – he was in the 2011 draft, you know, and and I think being a bigger receiver, tell me what you think. It's a blessing and a curse. I think being a bigger, talented receiver early in your career is a blessing, but also bigger receivers, uh, you know, they, they don't get smaller, but they can break down physically more you know, mean, when they're so physical in their style of play like, like Julio's been. And that's another thing is that Julio is physical like a linebacker. Right. This is a guy, I mean, you know, remember they were sticking him in on defensive plays in college and high school. Very physical guy. uh, Big guy. Hits the weights. And I think there's a certain amount of wear and tear. I mean, he's 33 going on 34 years old. 33. But, I mean, he's 33. There's a certain amount of wear and tear. That step is gone. What it is, when you see those guys, you're surprised because you never really thought. If you know, if 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 age doesn't if if age misses anybody, doesn't catch up with anybody, it'll be Julio. He'll be yeah. great his whole life. So when you see him a little bit slower, and he looks thicker in his uniform. You know, when I saw him in the Titans, I mean, he looked. You know, he's a big, thick dude now. You know, um, obviously added a little bit of weight. You know, not just pure muscle anymore. Um, so probably less of an upside with him than Amari Cooper. Still got a lot of football in him. You know, he's that bouncy, lighter athlete can play inside so but still hope julio gets on the right team and gets a gets a chance at a ring yeah you talk about the preeminent big receiver in uh recent nfl history i mean that's calvin johnson and you know even calvin johnson what was it nine seasons and then he got out you know calvin johnson retired at 30 and julio's still in the game at 33 34 years old so uh, kind of tells you yeah absolutely what about Cam Robinson? You see, Cam got the franchise tag with the the Jags, so that that means Cam Robinson, based on the numbers, I think, looking at nearly seventeen million for the twenty twenty two season, and then he'll be, I guess, unrestricted for twenty twenty three. Yeah, I mean, I think that gives him a year. I mean, I think Jack Jacksonville is going to have a chance to to push up a little bit here with the new coaching staff. They'll probably pick up some free agents. They got a chance. I think most expect them to add another offensive tackle. That kind of bridges the gap, too. I mean, if you bring in, you know, Evan Neal, you bring in uh, the NC State kid or Charles Cross, whoever you want, you bring him in, put him at right mm-hmm. level, and then Cam leaves, you shift him over to Transition, left. yeah. Alabama does it. You know, the offensive line position in college is sort of what they could do. So that would answer a big question for him to protect Trevor. But also, you know, that gives you bookend offensive tackles to try to keep Trevor upright a little bit more, um, add a few more pieces around him. And, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm a Trevor guy. I'm a Trevor guy. I was watching 
earlier in the year, I, I, I did not. I know you're a Jaguars fan. You know him better than I do. But I didn't think they looked very crisp. I thought he looked confused at times. I thought he, you know, he was just throwing to spots at times. I mean, I saw him throwing yeah. to coverage twice in one half, which I, you know, never, never saw before. But at that end of that year, and I know a few of the coaches on that staff, and at the end of the year, I was watching them, and that dude was playing a different game. That game against the Colts, and the Colts had playoffs on the line. He was great. Mm-hmm. He is great. I think Trevor, Trevor is going to be the guy we expected him to be. I, I think it got to the point with Urban that uh, that entire building was in sort of disarray, and that obviously impacted a young quarterback. And Trevor Lawrence I was told that even in basic drills and practice, it had gotten to the point where throws you would think a quarterback the caliber of Trevor Lawrence would make with his eyes closed had become challenging for him, which was more to where he had probably gone in terms of confidence and just his uh, headspace. And then once the decision was made to part ways with Urban, I agree. I, I think you saw, as you said, I thought the word was perfect, crisp, the more crisp uh, Trevor Lawrence there down the stretch of the season. So I'm I'm a Jaguar fan, as you said. I want the Jags. They've got to take another offensive tackle. Yeah, it's great that you franchise Cam. You still need another offensive tackle, whether that's via free agency here coming up or the draft in April. Uh, Jawan Taylor at the other offensive tackle position, a first-round pick a few years ago, I believe, uh, hasn't necessarily worked out over there. So we'll see how Cam is impacted moving forward. There's really a lot of off-season activity with, uh, for Bama players. We haven't even really discussed Tua and his new leash on life. You know, getting a new quarterback that seems to be extremely Tua-friendly. Judy obviously getting the big um, yeah, boost. The, yeah, the big, yeah. Calvin Ridley. I don't know what. I don't. I don't know what. what? Yeah, what was that? I mean, if it, if what I read was right, it was bet fifteen hundred dollars on parlays. Is parlays even betting? I know. That's it's, no, of, that's. That's just giving money away if you're I mean, into parlays. I mean, 17 parlays. Just go play scratch-offs, you know, or lottery numbers. Reminds me when I've been in Vegas and we go and say, hey, let's do this. And we go pick three underdogs on the point, you know, on the uh, money line. And they're plus, you know, whatever they are. You take a six-to-one bet and you make it a 181-to-one bet because you took them on the money line. Uh, I mean, obviously dumb of Calvin to do that. I mean, the NFL um, – you know, I mean, he know, you know, you know how the NFL is. We need to leave it up to their judgment. Obviously, to, you know, do that and sitting out, but a whole mm-hmm. year suspension um, for that seems kind of harsh to me. Maybe well, I'm- the NFL, as you know, is a walking contradiction when it comes to meeting out punishment for various transgressions, right? And yeah, it's it's, it's very- been documented on social media the the disparity between this offense versus that offense and guys being suspended for a year for, um, you know, betting parlays totaling $1,500, but other guys who, um, you know, criminal offenses, violent criminal offenses get four games. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard to put your finger on. Right. To me, that was just, I mean, maybe, you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously this wasn't a, Pete Rose situation where he was betting on a lot of stuff. Apparently he's, I mean, he went to a casino if I read it correctly. Um, he went through a casino that has a partnership, I guess, or a commitment with the NFL to red flag suspicious activity. In other words, if it involves a player or a coach or a staff member in general, 
Obviously, they can turn that information over to the National Football League. Obviously, he was just very naive or didn't think it was a big deal because, I mean, you could have got your buddy to go, you know, put that. And that's where he screwed up because Calvin Ridley's not the only NFL player betting on NFL games. Trust us. okay? but he was the one that didn't use a relative or a buddy or someone to to serve as an intermediary in, in doing that. I agree with the pun with a punishment. I just the year coming off a year, you know, it almost seems like vindictive to me. Like the NFL was mad he set out this year. Well, it's like the NCAA when you got basketball programs like Kansas and others that have been sitting around for two or three years now, you know, waiting to hear from the NCAA. Now LSU, we understand, uh, apparently has gotten its notice of uh, allegations here in the recent days, but you know, they just continue to to breeze along, and meanwhile. You know, the NCAA will, will hammer Pittsburgh State or something. You know that, what I'm saying? That reminds me of that brilliant Jerry Tarkadian. Dude, I miss those guys. <laughs> I, I, miss, I miss, I can't help it. I miss those guys. I miss guys like that. But Tarkadian saying the NCAA was mad at Kentucky. They gave Cleveland State two more years of probation. <laughs> exactly. And Tark they, hit it right uh, out of the park. You know, Sports Illustrated, I think it was. They showed a picture of Tark, who was at UNO. Tark was the original come-at-me bro to the NCAA. He was leaning and looking through a chain-linked fence (laughs) at at, uh, Lloyd Sweet Pea. What was his name? Oh, yeah. Um, Shit, was it Daniels? Yeah, Lloyd Daniels. He was was incarcerated in a juvenile (laughs) facility or something. It's on a recruiting visit. Yeah. That guy's a heck of a player, so I miss that, those those wild days. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's very sporadic. There's not really consistency. Um, but, you know, it's a big blow for Calvin. Calvin's going to be 28 years older when he plays again. Yeah, that is, in all seriousness, that's, yeah, that's he, a tough one. He, yeah, I mean, he and he the thing that's weird, and I don't know what happened. I know they, they said he had some personal issues to deal with, but he had an opportunity to be right. Uh, this year in Atlanta, and maybe especially that- with Julio moving on, you yeah. know, it was wide open. Uh, Kyle Pitts came in there, but as far as the wide receiver position, that was that was Calvin's shot. Yeah. It seemed like obviously had some other stuff he felt he needed to deal with first. But again, he was old for his age in high school. He was old. He's older than Amari. Yeah, came out. You know, Amari came out in the draft before he did. Calvin, you know, moving in that twenty-eight year, he's only got a few more years in him, so he really needs to. You know, I don't know if that you can appeal this process or what, but you know, he really needs you know finish off that. Oh, I'm sure the NFLPA will do try to do something in that sort of regard, but your suspensions a lot. Yes, yes, it it is a lot. And um, sticking with the football, big recruiting weekend we're coming off of for Alabama, uh, one of the junior day events that also included, I guess, some 2024s of note. So. Your thoughts on the weekend and where we head from here, I guess, spring practice starting on Friday. Answer some of that with uh, prospects expected to make their way to Tuscaloosa over the next month or two. But where are we at exactly now on the recruiting calendar, Tim? You know, it's so everything's twisted so much. I think we're going to we've shifted more towards seeing most of the activity. I know, you know, back in the day, you know, when I covered this, I know the fans are. We want a commitment and all that on junior day. It was a totally different vibe. You remember this when it was you and I 10 or 15 years ago. It was a yeah. totally different vibe. 
you could guarantee kids were committed on junior day. You know, they would tell you, their parents would tell you, their coach would tell you, they were going to tell Nick Saban and the staff and in person. Not just Nick Saban, but it was all the staffs. It was any staff. It was Shula or anybody. I think the vibe now is more the kids want to like commit when they want to commit. They know the algorithm for Twitter, the best time to commit. Um, so I don't see the junior days as much. I know that, you know, there used to be a big deal. They'd get three or four commitments. I think now, I guess you could refer, even though, you know, I'm not a big fan of the silent commitment. I think schools, kids are more likely to tell a coach they're coming. But, you know, as far as the event itself without the commitments, and I didn't really expect any commitments. If I did, it was probably a local product, you know, local prospect. Some of this probably heavy lean to Alabama. Um, now the other guys, I think, will do it in a bigger way and take a little bit more visits. But as far as getting guys on campus, I mean, they got their, you know, they got a lot of the big names they wanted. They got the Thompson kid, uh, Tony Mitchell, Peter Woods were on campus, both commitments, Elliot Washington and Hurley. Um, you know, they got Georgia commitment, McEldry, Ryquez, McEldry was another one that came in. Um, Cormani, the five-star DB from Florida, came in. McLean, Cormani, McLean. Eugene Wilson is an interesting guy. He's another. So it had a little bit of a Florida flavor to this, these guys that came in. But overall, it was a you know a pretty big group. Alabama, you know, did what they you know probably what they expected to do and made up ground. And you know, I was talking to you know Hank South, who covers recruiting for us, and he felt that. And I've heard the same thing. Jalen Hale, Alabama made a really good impression on Jalen Hale. He's a uh, top fifty-five star wide receiver from uh, Texas. And seems to really have hit it off with the staff. Likes Hallman Wiggins. You know, Hallman Wiggins, you, he, you don't hear a lot of, you don't hear his name a lot, but quietly, I think he does a really good job with these kids, especially one on one and at his position. But, um, you know, otherwise, I mean, it was, you know, it was about as expected. You get kids on campus, kids are expected to come back and uh, no commitments. And I know that's, you know, the, you know, a lot of the people want commitments like that, but still, I'm, I'm still at the camp that if, a kid's taking visits. He probably should take his visits before he commits anywhere. You mentioned uh, some of the Florida kids, and I wanted to ask you about the increased degree of difficulty in the state of Florida, if there is any, in your opinion, coming with Billy Napier in Gainesville and Mario Cristobal, uh, a couple of saving disciples um, down at Miami. Is, is that going to become – a good bit more difficult in your opinion. I also know Patrick Sertan uh, senior, I guess left American heritage to join the dolphin staff. That's been a good spot for Alabama down there uh, in the plantation area is the landscape changing in a way that it's going to be more difficult for, for Alabama to cherry pick down there, Tim. I think, I think they'll still have their chances to cherry pick. I think it'll be, you know, obviously when you look at Billy Napier, Recruiting's he I mean he knows recruiting is his number one priority as a coach. Mario Cristobal is going to think the same thing. Get that talent on campus. Like you said, they've been there at Alabama. We're two really good recruiters at Alabama. So so to me, yes, it easily it's going to be a lot harder because Dan Mullen didn't really seem to be <clears throat> focusing on recruiting much at all. Billy Napier hit the ground running. You know he's gonna you know he's gonna get after it. You know Mario's gonna get after it. Um, with that said, there's like, you know, the thing about Miami, you know, and I had a coach very early in my career, high school coach tell me, he said, the thing about Miami is basically that if a kid decides to leave, he's going a long way from home for the most part. So, and there's kids that don't want to be in Miami. You know, it's like this, if you grow up 
in the most perfect part of the world that, you know, you want to experience other things. Najee Harris is a classic example, right? You got a California kid, totally different. He chooses between Michigan and Alabama. I mean, he got as polar opposite as he could be. So there's always going to be kids that want to leave, parents that want them to leave. So there'll always be that. But certainly, you know, it would definitely be naive to think that Billy Napier doesn't help Florida and that Mario doesn't help uh, Miami. Both are really good recruiters. Both are big name splashes. There's a different feel to them than the last coaches recruiting wise. I mean, Dan Mullen, everybody says he's a good X and O coach, but he's never been big on recruiting in that show. So you're doing a complete 180 for Florida from Billy, you know, from Dan to Billy, in my opinion. All right, Tim, let's get into the uh, let's get into the BOL roundtable mailbag here on a Thursday edition of the Bama Online podcast, a T Watson TR edition of the Bama Online podcast. Uh, Melvin Seahorse having some fun fun with you. Why can't we get commits? He asked Melvin. Melvin is an original guy. I really like him. He uh, <laughs> got two commits. Melvin, you greedy bastard. I mean, how many do you <laughs> right now? Two big time DBs, Melvin. That's Come literally. on, take him in a heartbeat. Now, we've always known Alabama wants to get those kids in June. We've discussed this before. Get those kids in the camp. Get a look at them. See them running around, and you know, you know, see them in action one on one. That's always been big at Bama. And I told you, we discussed this in the past. Alabama used to get kids between the end of the signing day for the seniors and before that camp. And a lot of the guys that actually committed didn't end up in the Alabama class. They either committed too early, you know, probably didn't have the senior years they expected. So I don't think there's a real rush right now to get commitments. I think in June, when you see all those kids and you prioritize who's your number one, who's your number two, how do you, it's not even that, it's how do you group them? Okay, there's three. Outside linebackers, we're taking two. We, we, this is our top three. We'll take either of these two in order. So I think the commitments will come, but Melvin knew that. He's just Jay and Bama, uh, we yeah. always appreciate also joining us in the mailbag. Uh, Steel Cage triple threat match between Josh Pate, Hank South, and Charlie Potter. Who turns on who and who wins between those three? Potter's definitely turning on somebody. Oh, Potter, yeah. One, and I'm saying – Potter jumps on Josh Pate's side because cause Potter's smart. Yeah. Like big guy. You know, he's yeah. big, works out. Doesn't miss arms day or yeah. legs day. You yeah. Know? He turns on Hank in that situation. Teams up. Yeah. You know, Hank, I think in just terms of you'd have to, re- you know, Hank comes off as a nice guy, but I think Hank, you'd have to kill him, you know, to kind of beat him. Yeah. Um, and by the way, Hank South with his seventh anniversary at BOL here in the last few days. How about that? Look at that. Grew up right before our eyes. Yeah, he did. He and Charlie Potter, man. We're talking about combined 15 years for those two. That's crazy. Crazy. Great kids. Yeah, both of them. Both of them do a great job. Yeah, I'd probably go with – see, I think Josh is actually uh, what they call a, a mark, a, a wrestling mark. He likes wrestling, in other words. He's a fan of wrestling. Perfect. Loves so it. I think Josh would, you know, have the advantage there in terms of knowledge and, and, and also, as you said, he's, he's a bigger dude by a good bit. Um, Jam also wants to know, Tim, will Alabama have a quarterback commit before June 1st? No, <clears throat> those dominoes start to fall. It gets interesting. I think it's possible for sure. <clears throat> Obviously, Arch Manning's a big one. Nico out in California is a big one. Partly it could depend on where they go. I mean, if you get a kid committed to a school that's not really 
you know, you, you know, you look at that market quarterback, I guess we're thinking George, USC has their guy, right? So we're thinking Alabama, Texas, Georgia, some of the bigger name ones. Um, you know, if a guy commits outside of that, I'm not sure the dominoes really fall as fast as you think. I do think that Alabama's in a good position position with quarterbacks, though. Um, they have an in-state guy who's a, who's a good football player. They have out-of-state guys who's looking at them. Arch Manning, you know, it's hard to predict what he'll do. When you have somebody that clinical, I think it's hard to predict what somebody's going to do. But, I mean, Alabama's in the chase for all these guys. And in the past, they've managed to win, you know, you know, win a guy every cycle. So when you look at, uh, you know, look at the state, you know, the one thing I will say about this <clears throat> is having the top guys out of state looking at you and then having a guy like uh, Vizina, Chris Vizina Chris from Briarwood, uh, also an uh, in-state guy who I think is extremely talented. I think if you, you know, any almost any other year, this guy's in discussion for the top player in the state. Uh, overall, I mean, it's just such a freaky year for defensive guys. If you look at the guys ahead of, but a very talented guy, a big guy that can run a little bit. I think you kind of set up where you want to be for quarterbacks. And also, don't forget, Alabama really wants to see a lot of these guys as many as they can throw the football because most of them have came into camp and thrown the football. I mean, you have to anticipate, you know, taking a quarterback, possibly two. Um, <clears throat> that second one's always going to be a little bit harder to get, depending on the first one, but. So off. you're thinking this could be a Tua Mac Jones type setup? I think it could be. I mean, when you look, you've got you know you, you're expecting Bryce to be his last year. That would leave you with uh, Milrow. That would leave Simpson. you Simpson, basically. So that's two quarterbacks competing. You really want four. Now, Sonny could be a transfer portal guy. You know, it could be yeah. somebody like that to come in and compete. Um, you know, and again, you know, there's going to be talent on, on staff no matter what. You got Simpsons, you got Milrow, you'll have this signee. But even a grad assistant or a transfer portal guy is going to have more experience probably than those guys and feel he can compete. When you see Bryce, a locked-in starter, you're probably less likely to think you have a chance to compete. But it's kind of going to be, you know, when Bryce leaves, it's kind of be a little bit of an open season there. So I think they have a good chance of having a quarterback committed by then. But Man, when those dominoes start falling, I mean, they can all fall at once, or you know, it can take a minute to get there. Jared Burns in the roundtable mailbag asks, "How does the Batman stack up against Dark Knight, in your opinion? If you have seen it, I have not seen the Batman yet. I want to. It is at one of the local theaters. That's the old school type theater. So I want to make my return to a theater. That's- and uh, this would be a what about it though, Tim? I'm guessing you've seen it." Yeah, we did. We went to a couple movies. We skipped them for two years, but we went to a couple movies the past few weeks. Um, saw this with my youngest and oldest son, and it, it, it was great. It was great. It's got that Joker vibe, if you've seen that, the way it looks. So it's, it's dark, obviously. The dark, thing. Yeah. It's very long. It's 174 minutes. Oof. It's a long time to be in a movie theater. Um, but the thing I liked about it, it showed a lot of the actual city of Gotham. It wasn't just the characters. That's partly why it took so long. It was more of a storyline, probably building up to bigger things. It was a little slower. The Dark Knight, to me, was great. I mean, Heath Ledger was fantastic. I thought that whole movie was fantastic, head to toe. Um, so I'd say they're both probably close to equally as good. But, I mean, the vibe, the, the, the pace of both movies is different. And Colin Farrell, if uh, Google, Google him when you get off this and look at – or even now – Colin Farrell is the is the penguin, and I had no clue. I knew he was in the. Yeah, I saw some. I saw some stills of that, and I was like, "Wow, that's not CGI." 
I'm like, holy Moses. And I didn't even realize it till the end. And uh, Hank South saw it the same night I did. I saw it in the afternoon. He saw it at night. And he said, I can't believe Colin Farrell was the penguin. I was like, holy crap, I forgot about that. A little bit of a stretch from Danny DeVito, um, I guess. Danny was a great one now. He actually looks like a penguin. (laughs) Uh, Danny DeVito was for kid, you know. I love the old Batmans, too. The old old cartoon character type Batmans. But – uh, it was good. I mean, the, the, the Catwoman was a really good character. It's Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet's daughter. She was good. It had uh, your boy Torturo, Torturo. Oh, I love John Torturo. That, that dude can do anything. Rounders. He's the best, man. He's, he can do anything. He's great. <laughs> and the villain, he's great. He's one of my favorite guys. He's great in Rounders. Uh, he's in it. So the cast is great. The, you know, the vibe and everything. It's everything you'd expect it to be. I would definitely recommend it. Also, from Jared Burns, what wide receiver in 2023 are you most confident ends up at Alabama? Maybe a guy you just talked about a few moments ago or someone else? Yeah, maybe Hale. I mean, it's still early. I think the wide receivers are kind of sort of, you know, probably you know probably want to get a little bit taller wide receiver. They've got a lot of speed guys. I think they want to be selective. Um, I think they want to be selective on guys that they look at and, and, and they take because they want to match them up last year with speed guys who were inexperienced uh, to some degree compared to the wide receivers you're used to seeing. I don't have a great feel on one yet. There's not a really a, there's not a one I feel really confident about in state like I felt last year. But they certainly got some guys that they're looking at um, that are going to want to look at them, especially based on what happens this year with Bryce. Because I mean that's going to be a that's going to be a that's going to be a pretty sexy team. You have a chance to see with a lot of these speed guys, a lot of these young guys playing. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty with them too. But man, you've seen them. You saw Isaiah Bond. What was he? Six one eight or whatever he was. What was he? Number one in the nation in the two hundred or something? Yeah, he just had a I know I mean, a, a great time again. So you've got guys like that coming into play, but they are going to need that bigger receiver, that six one plus guy. So don't feel great about the wide receiver class. Uh, just yet, but I do think guys will emerge, and they'll definitely be in Texas and other places, you know, digging in on guys. Be rich in the mailbag checks in. Bama softball opens up conference play on the road in Red Stick this weekend. Can you give us your thoughts on Alabama softball to this point? Well, be rich. Alabama softball is twenty and zero, so I would say uh, doing pretty well to this point. And as we talked about before here on the podcast. Seems as if Murph really knocked it out of the park, so to speak, with the newcomers. Dallas Goodnight, a freshman. Uh, Megan Bloodworth, a freshman. They have been very impactful. Dallas Goodnight leads Alabama in hitting right now at a 481 clip. Also has stolen 13 of 14 bases. Uh, in that area, Ali Shipman coming in from Tennessee, hitting 434. Four home runs, 26 RBI, leading the way in both those categories. Um, Ashley praying another transfer hitting 340 with three home runs, 12 RBI. So exactly where you want to be. Now you've had an injury here of late to Lexi Kilfoyle, your compliment in the circle also can hit as we've seen, uh, get it done at the plate, but Kilfoyle has been a little bit injured here of late, but it sounds like based on Kirk McNair's updates for us, BamaOnline.com, that Murph is anticipating Kilfoyle being available this weekend for that series against LSU down in Baton Rouge. But yeah, as an overview, um, you know, you still want to see 
some of your veterans like Kaylee Tao, obviously, get it going offensively, and she will. She's hitting 250 right now, home run 13 RBI. Uh, you've got documented success with her to tell you that's going to happen. Bailey Dowling coming off the knee injury, still trying to, you know, kind of get it going on a more consistent basis. But yeah, good spot. The team that plays pretty good defense as well. So I'd say right where you want to be, be rich for Alabama softball as it heads into SEC play. Dioshi 23 asks Tim Watts, if you could choose your 2023 quarterback signee from Nico Iamavea or Arch Manning. Did I say that right? I tried. You're asking me wrong. You're asking me. That's funny. I know. I know. Which one are you choosing between Nico and Arch? I'm a Nico guy. and I, I mean, I've seen some of the debate on there. I, let me be clear. I think Arch Manning's a really good prospect. Um, I think he's probably as fine-tuned as, as, as just about any quarterback we've seen. I mean, he's surrounded by quarterback knowledge, quarterback he has quarterback genes, plus he's been in a system where they've been, you know, you know, he's been trained to be a quarterback for years, got the size and all that stuff. Me, I like the Nico kid because he's <clears throat> I get he's a little bit rawer, rawer. he's not a, he's not as polished, but I think the upside's bigger. Arch is probably a better player right now if you're looking head to toe, just a complete body of work. Um, but I think Nico's upside is going to be the better of the two. I think there's a lot there to explore. The guy's athletic. You've seen his volleyball clip. He's really good. I think you can't go wrong with either. I think you should be extremely happy. I wonder about the circus that's going to follow Arch. You know what I mean? That's going to be, you know, it's got to be hard for that kid to deal with. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe you enjoy it. Maybe it gets to be stressful at times, but that, you know, that that's a huge name. It's a big name. He's a big name prospect. You know, we've been talking about this kid since he was in eighth grade. So I just wonder about, you know, how much of that's going to be a distraction in a locker room. It probably won't be a big deal. But, I mean, there's going to be, you know, whoever he signs, when the media asks to speak to people, they're going to ask to speak to Arch. You know, whether he's playing or not, they're going to want to hear his thoughts. So but you can't go wrong with either of them. I mean, I'm a Nico guy. I'm an upside guy. I'm a, you know, I'm an athlete guy. But, I mean, obviously both are tremendous talents. Uh, to me, top five in the nation, definitely top, you know, top five quarterbacks in the nation for sure. I don't think you can go wrong with either of them. Dioshi also asks, have we seen Dope Sick on Hulu? He says it's definitely worth the watch. What about it? Dope Sick? Have you seen it? I haven't, Tim. I have not. I mean, I looked at, I looked at that when it came out, but probably wasn't in the, the mood. I have not seen it. I know it's got a... Uh, the shoot the old back Michael Keaton in it. So that would be, yeah, I'm a big yeah. Michael Keaton fan, man. Yeah. I knew he was in it. Um, I'm pulling it up now. And, uh, it's triggered. The- I mean, I'm just crestfallen because of righteous gemstones. Another season came to an end, you know? So, and, and that's, you know, they say life comes at you fast or life moves fast. That is never truer than with righteous gemstones. Now, isn't mm, it? man, it just, it was like it it a week and it was over. Well, our buddy Grant Ramey on the ball side, Tennessee side, he's a huge guy too. And he was sort of like, this is the finale. And I was like, dude, I don't know how it happens. I know. It's like you're watching all nine episodes at once, but you're not. <laughs> you're literally watching them week by week. But Well, and they're only like 30-minute episodes, you know, so it's kind of hit and run. But yeah. there is a third season coming, fortunately. And I'm caught up on Ozark for now anyway, so, you know. Let me tell you something. I love the sister 
And my wife loves the sister, G- uh, Judy Lee. Oh, well, she's the star of the show. She is a yeah. lucky gangster savage. <laughs> uh, she mean, basically says everything. Any, um, I mean, anything that pops in that mind, shit's go time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, it's go time. Obviously, <laughs> the, the, she's they, a savage, man. She's a straight savage. In all the shows I've watched, the scene, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but I'll mention this. That scene where he was selling that stuff and <laughs> pulling that that big trailer behind a oh yeah baby Billy with the, yeah, the little BMW it. convertible with the Billy, with the miracle see, juice yeah baby Billy we can see you we see your leg <laughs> and then when he took off and you realized he was driving like a Mazda convertible <laughs> sideways and then he drug it and then you're dying laughing then you look up and he goes running by <laughs> oh yeah uh, I'm, it's not me dude, i'm not here dude it was, it's silly that, but that it's was, awesome that yeah. little three minutes oh yeah and they'll reach i mean they'll go to they'll go oh to, they they uh, don't have any boundaries on baby. that show oh that was woke <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it sounds> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They wild and yeah, they wild out. No doubt about it. All um, right. I think we're good, man. You got anything else for us, or uh, you gonna hit the road? Um, nah, I think that's it for now. I think I was, any knowledge I had, I've expressed. <laughs> yeah. So um, there you go. It's another edition of T Watts and TR in the can. Literally, some people would say, but um. Hey, Tim, always enjoy it, man. Always appreciate the time. All right. See you guys next week. Yeah, hang out with us on the roundtable, man. And we definitely appreciate the help in the roundtable mailbag from those who participated. A lot going on with University of Alabama Athletics. We got spring football cranking up on Friday at the Capstone. We're going to keep you covered. As the Crimson Tide gets back to work on the gridiron, you've got the SEC men's basketball tournament down in Tampa. We'll keep you updated on that. You've got Alabama softball, just so many things going on. We'll have you covered recruiting right there at BamaOnline.com. And if you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast? Wherever you consume pods, you're going to find the Bama Online Podcast. If you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review, that would help us out tremendously, and we would certainly appreciate that as well. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, hoping you have a great weekend. Until next time. So long, everybody.